Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, are we teasing a new Switch release or are we just being polite? It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including the possibility of Kingdom Hearts coming to Switch. And then on Thursday, Mario Month continues as we discuss new Super Mario Bros. 2. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? It's going great. I mean, not to jump ahead to what we've been playing, but I am uh, experiencing new Super Mario Bros. 2 for the first time, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah, it's it's uh yes again. Look, we will talk about it on Thursday. Um, I I feel like it is a uh, it is such a weird time to be talking about a 3DS game. <laughs> uh, it's a weird time to be talking about an older Mario game that we've never played before. Um, it's it's a it's a fun little like whirlwind of stuff I don't totally understand. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, I have a foot update. Oh yes, please. So you know how uh, normally when I go for a walk, my ankles get dirty? Yes. Um, so I've had these new shoes for a while that are very, like, low cut and uh, obviously reveal my ankles. Um, uh, and I started feeling some foot pain recently. Oh, no. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk today, but I'm going to put on my old running shoes. Running shoes that I had retired because I had these new shoes. Tell you what. No foot pain, but my ankles are still dirty. <laughs> so I feel like what we learned mm-hmm. is, I'm actually not sure. Your ankles uh, remain dirty, so that seems like yeah. the constant that we can all depend Correct. on. Like the yes. sun uh, setting and rising. And mm-hmm. also, I guess your new shoes were not like good for your feet. I think, I mean, that's the conclusion that I'm coming to as well. Okay, great. Which is a, a, a bummer. I liked those shoes. But they're causing me physical pain, so uh, they're out of here, man. And and yet, uh, all like many women listening to this podcast are right. thinking the same thing about high heels, right? And they're like, Patrick, just suck it up if you like the shoes, if they look good. I'm gonna say, don't try to go for a run in your high heels. Is what <laughs> that's my advice. Weak, Patrick. Weak. <laughs> what? What? Um, also, speaking of weak, uh, would you like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces? Maybe someday. Uh, the game is currently missing in action. Uh, but if you would like to get on a list to borrow my copy, all you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Um, and uh, give us your mailing address, get on a list, and something will happen at some point. Um, Mark, I feel like we have to make a decision about this uh, pretty soon. I think we've been dragging our heels on it for a I while. I know, I know. And we have some good options. Um, we're yes. still open to other options, but you're right. We just need to make a decision. Right. Uh, and that decision will be coming down the pipe, and you will all hear about it for sure. Um, speaking of things coming up down the pipe, uh, our Mario Memories episode is like a week and a half away. Mark, can you believe that we are almost upon it? No. I mean, we've been talking about Mario Month for a long time, and the fact that we are almost at the end of Mario Month is frightening. It's I mean, truly, because uh, coming into Mario Month here, the month of October, the the whole month we're doing Mario theme programming, uh, we've had a nice like plan in place. 
every week we talk about a Mario thing. Uh, in November, I don't know what we do. <laughs> we got to come up with new ideas in November. <laughs> what a horrifying idea. Yeah, I don't like it. But uh, you still have time to get your Mario memories into us. So email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail. And just give us your Mario memories. Tell us you, the, what you remember about Mario, things that moved you, things that frightened you. Uh, whatever it is, we want you to send it to us. Uh, we will incorporate it into the show. Uh, we need those by no later than October 27th. That's the that's the deadline. That's the that's, cutoff. That's only one week away. By the next time that you're listening to this news episode, we are yes. hoping, we are praying that your Mario memory has been sent to us. Right. So we will only remind you about this uh, two more times. <laughs> <laughs> Get them in quick. Thank you so much to Dustin and Steven who have submitted them. Also, everyone else who uh, has submitted in uh, previous weeks. Um, we appreciate that um, a lot. Here's something fun. Uh, tomorrow, the 21st, uh, Wednesday, right? I'm getting all this right. Wednesday, October 21st. Um, I'm appearing on uh, Call Me By Your Game, which is a podcast that's hosted by Connor McCabe. Uh, Connor uh, is a, a listener. You've uh, heard me read his emails. Um, to, to you before he's got a great show called call me by your game where uh, a guest comes on and talks about one game for a very long time and why it's important to them i talked about dead rising Ooh, that's um, a good one it's a good one to talk about um and it's it was it was a fun episode to record uh so please check it out it'll be fun to listen to i think it'll be fun to listen to yeah <laughs> it, I, i'm, I'm looking forward to it that's awesome um so yes check that out um and then uh, finally last and definitely not least um, you know, uh, we are also coming right up on the uh, election here, so just make sure that you are uh, registered to vote, that you have a plan to vote, you know, how and when and where um, all of that is going to happen. Any last-minute voting advice, Mark? Yeah, uh, vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, absolutely, vote for Joe Biden, and also vote early uh, if you are able to. Um, it will uh, help. There's going to be a influx of uh, voting both by mail and in person. Uh, the closer we get, and let's just make sure all these votes count and that they all count for Joe Biden, because, man, what a nightmare we're living through. Yeah, and, like, down-ballot uh, races, like, really matter, too. Um, if you, like, we live in California, so, which is a state that has fairly progressive, like, voter laws. Um, you know, like, I sent in yeah. my mail-in ballot with a signature, and I didn't need, like, a witness. Uh early voting is happening all the time like it's fairly easy in california to uh vote that is not the case in every state and state legislatures are the one that ones that make those laws so if you are living in a state and you're like wow it's really difficult for me to vote people are purposefully making it that way and so vote for somebody who isn't going to make it that way uh and uh in every case, universally speaking, it is uh, the more liberal candidates that are that want you to have access to the vote. Uh, conservatives are trying to block your right to vote, yeah. which is frustrating. Everyone get out there and vote. It's important. Uh, and look, I know that in, in some cases we're probably uh, preaching to the choir here. Um, so like, hang tight, guys. We got this. Let's do it. We won't be talking about it forever um, unless, uh, you know, horrible things come of this election. And then we'll talk about it all the time. <laughs> Um, all right, Mark, uh, that's enough of that. Let's get into what we've been playing this week. So I don't really have much to say. I've mostly just been playing New Super Mario Brothers 2, and I'll talk about it on Thursday. 
Oh, very good. Um, I have also been playing New Super Mario Brothers 2, and we'll talk about it on Thursday. Uh, I've been playing a handful of other things, Mark, including the Pikmin 3 Deluxe demo that we talked about last week, and I said was sitting on my um, Switch, and I just hadn't had the opportunity to turn it on. And uh, I, I think if we were to roll the tape back, we would hear me sort of poo-pooing it as something that I already played on the, on the Wii U. Um, I'm sure I affected that accent and everything. Um, I, uh, played through it again. Uh, I gotta say it's really cute and really fun. And I think I'm excited for the full game to come out. I'm such a sucker. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm going to buy and play this game again. I'm, I'm curious what, cause you still have like a Wii U that you use you fairly do, yeah. often. And so I'm curious, what about the demo made you feel like, Ooh, I should get this on switch instead of just play it on your Wii U. I mean, that's a fair question. I don't really know that I have an answer other than like it just felt like sharper and snappier and, all, you know, all of the um, little points of friction in the original um, seem to be alleviated here. Uh, there are just more options and you know, like everything about it felt like faster and brighter and more fun. I've got to check out this demo that uh, I actually forgot that, that it came out. I need to download it because Pikmin is a series that I am personally not that excited by but also have never really put any time into. And so I wonder if getting my hands on the demo would kind of change my mind about it. The demo is a good representation of what it is too. Like uh, it just starts you at the beginning and you, you play through something like three days of, of, of actual content, which uh, is fun. And, you know, you get to command Pikmin and, you know, rescue some other adventurers. And it's a, it's a fun time. Fully recommended it, you know, and I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people uh, in your exact boat, Mark, of like, uh, knowing Pikmin by reputation, but not really knowing the gameplay of it. So it's, it's there. Check it out. It is fun. Um, I also spent some time playing Super Mario Brothers 35, um, which is a game that I cannot quit. It is fun for me to play. Um, I win every now and then, and that feels good. Um, but mostly I'm bringing it up here because, Mark, we just did a whole episode about Mario spinoffs and which the best one is. And this is the third week in a row that I've talked about Super Mario Brothers 35, and we didn't have it in the running <laughs> for best Mario spinoff. Yeah, oops. Oops, oops. So we can put this in the debug category. Um, would it have... Uh, well, I don't want to give away what, what our, our number one is, but uh, do, do, do you think it would have had a shot against the other like heavy hitters I, in I that category? I think only because it hasn't been out that long that I would be hesitant... To, I mean, as somebody who put Breath of the Wild like immediately at the top of their favorite Zelda list, um, I think I would hold off on putting Super Mario Brothers 35 too high up right now, but I think it would do decently compared to some of the other ones. Yeah, it, I mean, also, especially if they uh, pull it from the um, eShop and is no longer playable um, after March of this year, like there may be a, a, a rarity thing in there that we're like, ooh, remember Super Mario Brothers 35? Um, it may become the stuff of legend. Yeah, that's so we can true. go back and revise the list if we have to. <laughs> um, we also got an email about that episode um, from Janae. Janae writes, Hi, Patrick and Mark. Your comments about pinball games last episode got me all excited because now I have an excuse to evangelize one of my favorite games of all time. Mark, are you ready for this? I am ready for this. Yoku's Island Express. It's a pinball Metroidvania and it's delightful to play on the Switch, especially in handheld mode. The graphics are gorgeous. The soundtrack is delightful. 
and the pinball gameplay is engaging as heck. Oh, and it's funny too. Yoku's Island Express is one of the few games I've 100%ed, and I've come this close to 100%ing it twice. Uh, if I haven't sold you on it yet, there's a free demo on the eShop. Seriously, you must play this game. Cheers, Janae. Um, so, Mark, you, uh, I, I have not played Yoku's Island Express. I did not know that there is a free demo, um, and I've mostly been uh, like led uh, away from it um, by your counter recommendation. Yeah, I uh, put some time into Yoku's Island Express. I would say probably about five hours. Um, definitely, yeah, like not any more than five hours. I did not particularly enjoy it, but um, for me, it was more about like. I got really frustrated at knowing kind of where I needed to get on the map, but I was finding like the pinballing to get there to be not particularly fun. Yeah. And there were times where I was like, oh crap, like this thing opened up or now I know where I need to go to, but getting down there is going to be such a pain or getting back up there is going to be such a pain that um, I didn't want to do it. So I was just like, and I'm just going to put it down. But I, I don't think it's a, like, it's just not a game for me. Um, right. but I, I might love be when, a game for me. It, it might totally be might be. Yeah. yeah. I love when people write in, um, with like enthusiasm for something that they're like evangelizing. Uh, so thank you so much for doing that, Janae. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, I, and look, I, even, even though like the game reviewed really well, just having like the personal interaction with you being like, meh, you know, it's, it's the, the word of mouth thing, right. That like, Someone you know and trust is like, ah, you know, it, it's okay. Um, but now we've got like, here's another person that we uh, know and trust. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to check it out uh, and I'll report back next week. Um, I also continue to play Super Mario Picross on the an SNES Switch Online. Um, and it's just, it's just such an, it's uh, just a nice experience. It is still um, not as feature rich as normal um, Picross games. Uh, but I don't know. There's something about its, you know, 16-bit pixelated charm, uh, and the fact that there's Mario on one page and Wario on another page, that I just like it. I don't know. I'm I'm having a really good time with it. Did I already ask you what the music is like? I have a vague recollection of you saying that it's like there isn't much music at all. Is that correct? Yeah, the, so there there is some music. It is uh shorter and more repetitive than um I'm I'm used to in a in a Picross game, and you know using the um, super nes sound chip so like it doesn't sound like you know there's kind of like a new wavy kind of feel to um like modern picross uh, yeah mm -hmm. music um this doesn't really have that um so i i i play most of it uh on mute while either listening to other music or listening to podcasts or something um so I, I, I cannot speak to the music. The music is something that we can speak to on Yoku's Island Express because one of the pieces uh, from it was included in our Best Nintendo Music of All Time tournament, um, which ran for three whole episodes last year. So go and check that out and figure out where Yoku's Island Express uh, landed in that one. Yeah, definitely can't impeach like the production value of Yoku Island Express. It looks cute. It sounds great. That's, and Very that's, good. that's where I end it. Uh, did did you have a question about Super Mario Picross? I, I sort of pivoted off of it real quick. Oh, no. All I was going to say is that for whatever reason in my head, I imagine that the soundtrack would be like the soundtrack to Mario Paint, which is, of course, amazing. Mm. So that's kind of like right. what I wanted in from a theoretical Super Mario Picross soundtrack. Sounds that like that is not the case, though. There is one of the, and I'm not going to be able to like hum it right now, but there is one of the like kind of victory music things, like when you complete a puzzle. That sounds very much like 
um, a little victory music sting in Super Mario World. Um, like it's using the same instruments and even has like some of the same like harmonic structure to it. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's the, one of the few things that like reminds me that I'm playing a Mario version of Picross. Uh, and I appreciate it when I do hear it. Um, all right. That's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. On Thursday, October 22nd, the Red Lantern is released on the Switch eShop. Um, this was a game that was revealed in March 2019. Originally, it was supposed to re- be released at the end of that year, but then was pushed to 2020. Um, it's like an indie game where you are like an Iditarod racer or somebody who is practicing for the Iditarod, maybe. But then it becomes like a survival game. Um, y- yeah, and looks cool. Looks like it, it does has, look cool. Uh, it looks like it uh, values, you know, whatever amount of like storytelling that that there is in that um yeah it it looks neat um i can't believe this game was announced march of 2019 or at least revealed to us at that time um it that's a long time ago that is a long time ago um that that that, i'm 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 very interested in that game also on the 22nd torchlight 3 is released on the switch eShop. um and then on the 23rd Cadence of Hyrule Crypt of the Necrodancer featuring The Legend of Zelda is released in retail form, so you can pick that up. And then also, it's a bumper day for my favorite subgenre that I don't play, which is just really specific simulators. You're getting mm-hmm. Truck Driving Simulator, Farm Mechanic Simulator, and Truck Mechanic Simulator. Hmm, but no farm driving simulator? It seems like they're leaving out one uh, crucial uh, quadrant there. Well, I think, if I were to guess, I think there is a farm simulation game, um, and it's probably kind of like the FIFA of farm simulator games, where you're yep. like, how do I compete against this? So I'm not even going to try. So you have to find your own like niche. So you're, you create farm mechanic simulator. I am interested to know how farm mechanic simulator differs from truck mechanic simulator. Um, if you, uh, are a simulator enthusiast like myself, but you actually play the games and you know the difference between the two, please, please let me know. Uh, these are my favorite types of games to talk about that I do not play. I mean, only one of these games are you going to be working on the rotary blades of a thrasher, and that's got to be the farm mechanic simulator, right? <laughs> you would think so, but we don't know that for sure. We don't know what kind it's of trucks true. it is. It's true. We need to do some in-depth investigation here. Um, so we mentioned that Cadence of Hyrule is coming out. Uh, I didn't realize that the full name of the retail version is Cadence of Hyrule Crypt of the Necrodancer featuring the Legend of Zelda. Um, it's as though they felt they needed to cram the Legend of Zelda in there somewhere, but we're also like totally content to like leave it way at the end. <laughs> like, it's weird uh, search engine op- optimization. Yeah, it's my favorite type of like naming convention for this sort of thing. Like we've talked about like uh Disney rides where it's not they di- they can't just call it the Little Mermaid ride. It has to be like Ariel's Undersea Adventure, The Little yep. Mermaid or something like that. Well, okay, so the the Millennium Falcon ride at Galaxy's Edge, what is it called? Smuggler's Run. Uh Is that it or is it Millennium <laughs> Falcon colon Smuggler's Run? I guess it actually could be either. It could be like Smuggler's Run, a Millennium Falcon Adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I, presented I by Star Wars, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, from the creative mind of George Lucas. But I actually think you might be right that it is Millennium Falcon colon Smuggler's Run. Are you looking it up right now? Yeah, yeah. It looks like um, so on the Disney World website, 
Uh, it says Millennium Falcon colon Smuggler's Run. Uh, oh, okay. And so the Wikipedia page for it calls it Star Wars colon Millennium Falcon dash Smuggler's Run. No apostrophe. Smuggler's <laughs> Run. That's a conceptual nightmare. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's close this out. Now it is time for a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, where a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. It is October, so we are only doing spooky topics. This is spooky topic number four. We are ranking the Halloween creatures, the classic Halloween creatures. Mark, you've pulled a, a couple Halloween creatures here, um, and I want to know what criteria you use to establish these creatures. Okay, well, first, I was like, okay, really, I can only think of three, and that I would say are, like, really just, like, standard Halloween creatures. Yeah. And I think it's witches, ghosts, and goblins, full yeah. stop. I think that's it. Mm -hmm. I think those are your Halloween creatures. And then if you want to broaden it a little bit, which I did, and debatably we can cut these characters out, it's sure. vampires, werewolves, and zombies. But I think at that point you're conflating, like, they're not like classic harvest monsters in the way that witches, ghosts, sure, and goblins sure. are. I mean, so he, I, I do like including them, and they are just different enough from last week when we uh, did the universal monsters, because vampires are not Dracula. Dracula is a vampire, sure, but this is different. Yeah. Um, and werewolves are not wolfmen. Look, these are different creatures, all right? Let's get it straight. We're talking werewolves here. And zombies, look, look uh, there's a, about to be a podcast episode of me talking about zombies for two hours. Check out Call Me By Your Game. Um, so I, of course, want to rank uh, zombies in there. I looked up a quick list. Uh, I looked for lists of... <laughs> Halloween monsters, and I found uh, a list on the student and writer's blog of 200 creatures for Halloween. <laughs> so, are you saying that's well, the list we should use? I'm saying, I'm saying, look, I, I, here, I'm just going to run through them real quick, and you tell me what you like. Banshee, Basilisk, Bats, Beast, Behemoth, Black Cats, Boogeyman, B Boogeyman is on here twice, Bones, Corpse, Creature. These are bad. Creature, yeah, I, dis I disagree. Beast? A black cat, I feel like, is not a Halloween creature. It's a just regular creature that you see everywhere. Objection. It's an animal. Is where I'm yeah, leading. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's good. So you want to put Phoenix Wright on here as well? <laughs> <laughs> I do have a question. Uh, you know, I included goblins on here. To me, that was like an obvious pick. And yet, yeah. I think I would have difficulty describing what exactly a goblin is. Especially in a Halloween context, right? Um, but like ghosts and goblins is such a standard kind of Halloween thing. What do, what do we think the difference is between a ghost and a goblin in the Halloween sense? I think a goblin is more like demonic. I think like a, a goblin is more based in like hell than mm -hmm. a ghost is like an apparition, a spirit from somebody who's died. A goblin is not that. A goblin is just like an evil creature. Yeah, I would say a goblin is maybe even more like a poltergeist or a yokai or something where, like, it's a supernatural being of some kind. But uh, I think but they're not more corporeal. Yeah, mm, I, okay, I don't. Okay. I, I think they, like, they're not like an apparition. Like, I think they are, they're more like a gremlin or something like that. Sure, it, sure. I think. 
I think right. demon is probably closest that I would describe without like a goblin is close to being a demon without like crossing over into demonhood. Right. Without necessarily being connected to hell. Let me ask you this. Have you seen Ernest Scared Stupid? Uh, I've seen part of it and it was too, too scary. scary for right. me. <laughs> um, th- so there are trolls in that. Um, and I think, I think that's probably what my mind goes to uh, when we talk about goblins in a Halloween sense. Mm, okay. Okay. Because so, they're sh- they're short. They're ugly. Yeah, they're yeah, bumpy. Uh-huh. Yeah. They want to eat your flesh or something. <laughs> I think that's the problem for goblins. It's why most you know, like if you were forced at gunpoint to draw a goblin, right? Uh, I don't know that you'd have any consensus among anybody that what a goblin should look like. Yeah, I think people would go Tolkien on it, right? Give them like make them small and green, like an orc. Yeah. 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 Um. Okay, so I think we've got at least some sort of idea of what we're talking about uh, with uh, goblins, um, which means we, we have a, a clear idea of all these things, right? So which of these do you have early favorites between witches, ghosts, goblins, vampires, werewolf, and zombie? Uh, I feel like witches and ghosts are going to be at the top of my list. Mm, I think witches for sure the top of my list. If for no other reason than uh, I feel like witches are normally pretty short-changed. Um, like Halloween is their time. If there is one Halloween monster, or if there if there's like only one, it is the witch. Um, so yeah. so for me for me that's that's an easy number one. Uh, why do you want? Why do you put ghosts so high? Just because it's like. Well, I feel like ghosts can be like so many different things, and their purpose can be. Well, I guess we'll. <laughs> Never know for sure. I think I will say that zombies would be very low on my list. Um, be, because you don't like zombies or because they don't feel Halloween-y to you? Uh, they don't feel that Halloween-y and like, they are very passive, right? They're like mm, Some of these other sure. like, things are acting out of their own volition and zombies are just kind of, uh, I mean, they are mindless. Right. And also, you know, zombies are uh, good in numbers, but like on their own? Come on. Also, zombies too effective of a metaphor for other things. So, like, get them out of here. Uh, we were <laughs> we were accompanied today by cellist uh, Timotheus Petrin and pianist George Zhoyun uh, Fu. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Did Kingdom Hearts producer Tetsuya Nomura hint at something new being in the works for Switch? Mm. This is a question we are posing. Nobody knows the answer to. Uh, Nomura and Masanobu Suzui sat down with Japanese magazine Nintendo Dream to discuss Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory, the new um, Kingdom Hearts rhythm game that is coming to consoles later this year. At the end of the interview, as translated by Nintendo Everything, uh, Suzui and Nomura have this exchange. Suzui says, It was a rare opportunity for you, speaking of Nomura, to appear in a Nintendo Dream article with a Kingdom Hearts title that you were involved in. And Nomura says, I'm sure I'll be back in the not-too-distant future. Is this a real hint, or mm-hmm. is this just somebody being polite? I mean, it could very well just be someone being polite. Uh, but, like, it's time, right? Like, where... Why wouldn't the Kingdom Hearts games be on Switch? I can understand maybe 3 not being on there. But, like, where are the old ones? Why aren't there new games? Uh, they... <coughs> Square Enix was pretty supportive of the handhelds. Like, they all got their own Kingdom Hearts games. Yeah, you would think that it would be... It seems like it should be fairly easy. Um, do you remember, like, probably, like, two years ago, there were rumors that maybe they were looking at porting the early yeah. games over? I But I'm... 
now I feel like with Dragon Quest XI S uh, Echoes and Elusive Age Definitive Edition for Nintendo Switch, when right that was like in the works for so long, and basically what we learned is that they had to essentially rebuild the entire game um, yeah. for like uh, the Unreal version of Unreal Engine Four that ran on Switch, and so. I have no idea what engine the original two Kingdom Hearts games were built on or what like remat the remasters were built on, but it doesn't seem like it's just as easy as, you know, like uh putting those ROMs onto a disc sure. or onto like a game cart that runs on Switch. So I wonder if that's like the reason they didn't, is that like technically it'd just be so much work to have to do that. Yeah, I wonder if there's also just like a you know, there's such a uh, like distance between Kingdom Hearts games, right? Like there was so much time before um Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, which that was just last year, right? I think so, yeah. Like the um, beginning of 2019. That sounds yeah. right. Um back when uh Red Lantern was first revealed uh for, <laughs> right, for Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, maybe they like just needed that to have its own like, you know, big beat um and then also you know, this year for Final Fantasy VII to have its own big beat. Um, and, well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. The Square Enix's slate is so strange because, um, like, they obviously have Final Fantasy sixteen coming out at some point, too. But, you know, if they uh, just kind of wanted to goose their numbers a little bit in the interim, uh, putting out a Kingdom Hearts would be a good idea. Um, Mark, did you know that there is a uh, Melody of Memories uh, demo available um, on uh, all the platforms? Ooh, that, that was another one on? that I yeah, that was another one that I meant to download just to see what the heck this game is like. Yeah, I did not download it. Every time I see footage of this or Final Fantasy Theatrhythm, I'm like, what the? Heck? <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It just straight doesn't make sense to me. Um, I'm sure it is uh, fun to play, especially if you know the music. Um, but I don't really know Kingdom Hearts. Uh, but I know Disney songs, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm interested. To, I would love to try it. I'm hoping that there is like a uh, boss battle in it. Because when they were in the trailer, when they were showing a boss battle, it conceptually did not make any sense to me what was going on or how it worked. And so that I'm super yep. interested. But, but uh, to your point, like I, I feel like Kingdom Hearts, you know, like Kingdom Hearts 3 was a really big deal in when it finally came out. Um, but I, I'm sure that not every door in Kingdom Hearts is closed. And so even if like the mainline games don't yeah. show up on Switch in some capacity, you know, like you were saying that there's been handheld versions, like those like spinoff games that were building up to three for so long. And in a year or two, why wouldn't there be like another entry that isn't a main numbered entry that's yeah. showing up on a system? I mean, one of them was specifically built for the 3DS, right? Uh, Dream Drop Distance through yeah. the 3d um uh ddd um like that's so like they've they've developed four nintendo platforms before um certainly they can do it again mark do you think there's any possibility that uh nomura is like oh maybe i'll be back when they announce that sora is coming to smash brothers <laughs> i mean look I'll, I'll never say never with the uh mm -hmm. smash brothers characters especially like we talked about like i don't know what else they have left yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Sora is the one of the few, like, uh, sort of outstanding uh, wishes of, like, hardcore fans um, that make sense. Like, Goku is never going to be in this thing. Master Chief's never going to be in this thing. But, like, Sora? Sora maybe could. Yeah, Sora you could. I, I feel like if Sora showed up, that it would be taking those, like, um, Square Enix elements and putting yeah. them into the game. Yeah. 
because I have a difficult time imagining, although it would be super cool to get like some of the Disney stuff to cross over. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how you would do it without having um, Donald and Goofy like at least making appearances in like Sora's final smash or something. Um, yeah, but I mean, could you ever get Disney to maybe Disney would be cool with it, right? I, I wonder if it would be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Like you're talking about two companies that yeah. are like, I feel like um, Shigeru Miyamoto sees Disney and like Mickey Mouse as like competition. Yep. And so I don't know that they would necessarily want to um, team up, but crazier things have happened. It's true. When version 1.5 of Stardew Valley launches sometime in the future, um, it's going to include split-screen co-op for the first time. Hey! Which, you know, co-op has been in the game for a few years now, but it required multiple machines and copies of the game. Um, but So this will be the first time that you'll be able to play on the same system with another person in real time, which sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds um, so chill and possibly pointless, but like still very fun. Um, I, I didn't really mention it while we were talking about what we've been playing this week, um, but I'm I'm still playing Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons. Um, uh, you know, we just got a new neighbor. Uh, his name is Ed. He's a horse, um, and it, it remains uh, exponentially more fun to run around that island with Sarah, even though, like, n- you know, the whoever's in the second place position has, like, no real ability to do anything. Um, it's still, you know, what are you ever doing in Animal Crossing anyway, you know? <laughs> uh, it's the same sort of thing in um, in Stardew Valley. It's just nice to experience it with another person. Totally. I mean, the, the funny thing about Stardew Valley is, like, when I was reading this, I was like, oh my gosh, like, you'd be able to, like, double your productivity. <laughs> your farm could be, like, so amazing. Because normally, you're so, you know, like, and I guess it's true for the online version, playing online co-op as well. But... You know, like when you're doing it by yourself, there's you kind of have to prioritize and be like, okay, today I'm going to go down into the mines. Yeah. And so, you know, like I'm going to have to neglect these other things in order to do it. But now you could like be doing both things at once. It's blowing my mind. Super exciting. Um, also, players are going to be able to move their bed for the first time. Oh, my which, God. Again, something you haven't been able to do. No word on when version 1.5 might release. Um, this, like so much of stardew valley including the core game itself is being developed by a single person so um you just have to be patient uh where are you gonna put that bed mark oh man i i I am totally fine with where my bed is now but i might move it a little bit to the left just because i can now um so where where the bed kind of defaults to like the back wall in in the main room right yeah yeah exactly um so moving it moving it a little to the left does that put it in the corner (laughs) <laughs> no, it doesn't. Okay. It just moves it more towards the kitchen. Okay. Although I think if my memory serves me right, like I'd expanded my house quite a bit. Um, so me and my husband were living there. And I think once you build like a bedroom, your your bed moves into there. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So it's not where it's not in like the starting location anymore. Um, well, that's nice. If you want to put your your bed against a wall, you can. <laughs> if you want to put it right in the middle of the room, you can. These are important. These are important choices. And basically your only options. <laughs> um, the Outer Worlds is getting a patch for Switch tomorrow, October mm. 21st. So the full patch notes haven't been released, but on Twitter, the game's official account shared pre- and post-patch screenshots, and it looks like a sizable update. Um, I played this game when it was released, oh geez, was that like over the summer on Switch? 
yeah. and had a really good time playing it. Couldn't recommend playing it on Switch because the, you know, it was 60 bucks and technically didn't run all that great. Um, so if you could get it somewhere else for a lot cheaper, which you could, it was better to play on those systems. But I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, it was so much like Fallout that I, or like my experience with Fallout 3, which I really enjoyed my time with Fallout 3. And this game reminded me a lot of that, except being in space instead of on Earth. Um, so I really recommend it. Hopefully the patch fixes a lot of the technical problems. The early screenshots that they're sharing are promising. Also, on Thursday, the game is going to be is going on sale on oh. Switch. Um, no, I, I couldn't find like what the price is going to be on sale. But if it drops, you know, to like 40 bucks, I think I would <laughs> recommend it. Uh, and then also, you know, the game on other platforms already has the Peril of Gorgon DLC. It is coming to Switch at some point. We don't have any information other than that. But I'm definitely going to be picking it up when it does come out because oh, uh, I enjoyed my time with it enough that I want to do it some more. Yeah, and if the uh, game has been stabilized some in the meantime with this uh, update that's coming out tomorrow, um, then you'll have a little bit smoother experience. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Uh, yeah, or that... maybe the update will break everything. <laughs> like, no, we don't know at this point. Yeah, that's a good point, though, because, like, um, I, I don't think when the update lands, I'm going to, like, you know, I've removed it from my Switch. I don't think I'm going to jump back yeah. in or anything. Um, but it will be... So the DLC would be a good opportunity to go in and see, like, how big of a difference it did make. It's always an interesting thing to, like, play a game at launch or, you know, when it launches on a, uh, whatever platform. Um, and then, like, put it away for a while. And then there's, like, a big DLC thing that comes out. Uh, and so much has changed in the interim. Like, so many little tweaks that, like, your fundamental experience of the game has changed. Um, that's just that's a, a, a weird phenomenon and a weird part of, uh, you know, playing games in 2020. I know it is a weird phenomenon. It's also weird when you're like, oh, I mean, logically, right? With every game that comes out, it's like, I probably shouldn't buy this at launch, really, because it's going to be, if it's not a Nintendo game, it's going to be less expensive in like eight weeks. Right. Um, you know, like there's, but, and if, the, you know, like there's going to be patches and like content updates. So the game in a year from now is going to be so much better than the game today. And yet, I continually buy new releases. I mean, we all do, right? We're we and you know, even when we have like older games just sitting on our consoles or sitting on our shelves that we still want to play, and we're just like, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna, I'll go, I'll get the new thing. <laughs> um, I feel like that uh, the, I am currently in that space with uh, the PlayStation game Ghost of Tsushima. Um, that that is a game that I want to play, and I wanted to buy it when it was new. Um, but it was like kind of right on the uh, right around the um, period where I bought um, Last of Us Two, so I was kind of like new gamed out at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I moved right on to uh, uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, I've been playing a lot of not Nintendo games this year, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm I feel like I'm far enough away from the uh, original release that like I can wait for like a year or whenever when the game is you know twenty bucks and has like a bunch of DLC and stuff. It's all free. Uh, and yeah. I just buy it in one, one uh, Game of the Year edition collection or whatever. I know it is weird that there's like that, th like that threshold, that undefinable threshold where you're like, I want this, I need this, I need it. And then if you can yeah. get past that threshold, you're like, okay, it doesn't matter. I can totally live without it. Right. I can live without it for, as, and I mean, the, the danger is that maybe you go too far and you're just like, oh, I just do live without it forever. 
Yeah, but that's fine. There's enough new media all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, I was being a little bit facetious when I identified it as a danger, but yes. <laughs> uh, in the run-up to the release of the new Xbox next month, I, to sidebar, do we... Is, is the new Xbox... I guess it's really two consoles. Like, it's easy to say, like, the new PS5, um, right. the Switch. Do we just call it Xbox? Is it the Xbox Series X? Is that, like, the... What would you call the new Xbox? Just new Xbox? I mean, I, I would call it Series X or S. Uh, like, okay. I, 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 would, I think I would specifically call it out. Well, because one of the things that they are... Um, uh, what was uh, revealed or announced a, a couple weeks ago was that um, the Xbox Series S will not take advantage of the upgrades that games that were uh, optimized for uh, Xbox One X got that the regular didn't. So, like, there are two separate, like, lines of development here within the S and X series of consoles, which means that, like, Xbox One X leads directly to Xbox Series X, and Xbox One S leads directly to Xbox Series S. Um, so, like, it is more complicated than it need be, um, and I think they kind of are two separate consoles, even though they play most of the same games. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay, same, all the same games, just a little bit differently. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Here we go. In the run up to the release of the new Xboxes, there you go. Perfect. Next month, <laughs> Xbox head Phil Spencer has been making the rounds, doing interviews with various websites, and one topic that's come up repeatedly is Microsoft's relationship with Nintendo. Um, in Kotaku, and I'm just kind of like summarizing this. So in Kotaku, he says that Microsoft has had a good relationship with Nintendo. Uh, clearly, you know, we see. Uh, like Banjo-Kazooie and uh, Minecraft characters show up in Smash Brothers. We've seen games that were previously Xbox exclusives also show up on Switch. Ori, Cuphead. Exactly, yeah. But he, uh, Spencer also says that, like, quote, it doesn't feel sustainable to consider Xbox games on a case-by-case basis for Switch. Uh, Hmm. And that, quote, in order to really support it, I would want a full Xbox ecosystem somewhere. And that probably means things like live and Game Pass and stuff. Which, what, is, what does that mean? What does he think he's saying there? I think he's saying that, like, it doesn't really make sense for us to continue to do this thing where we're like, well, like, this game, like, one-off, yeah, let's do all the work to put this on, um, like, a different platform mm-hmm. to put on Nintendo Switch. When they have, you know, like, this Game Pass uh, program that ideally they want that, users to be able to you know play their game pass games anywhere and if that includes like uh systems from nintendo or even sony like all the better for them um just how like microsoft word is available on mac or on your iphone um or your android device and so i think like that's the world that he wants to live in where like yeah like ideally we'd be making these games once and then they would show up everywhere but obviously based on previous comments like it doesn't seem like Nintendo or Sony are super excited about that idea. Yeah, I mean, why would why would you want that? Uh, especially when um, there are games on Game Pass that are you know third party uh, developed, like not by Xbox Game Studios, that would be uh, available on those other platforms anyway. Um, if there's like a free or free with subscription way to play it on uh, on game pass on your switch that doesn't give any money to nintendo um why would nintendo allow that um it just you know it it doesn't uh that 
doesn't seem sustainable to me. Um, the Phil Spencer has been, like you mentioned, like going out on a lot of these like interviews in support of the new Xboxes, which is very good. Um, and it, like, I don't know if it's just because he's being asked like a million questions and has to talk about this thing all the time, but I feel like some of his answers are getting like a little loose and a little like no one really knows what to make of it. I, I read a, a snippet of an interview where uh, someone asked him about uh, Banjo Kazooie. Um, and, uh, his answer was, uh, generally along the lines of like, oh yeah, Rare can make whatever they want. I don't care. <laughs> oh like, yeah. 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 It's like, I saw you that. don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think, I think, I think he's being hit with a lot of questions that are asking enormous questions about the gaming industry and he's doing his best to like sort of present it on the fly when really all he wants to do is sell Xboxes. So, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, I think, it, I think it's easy to make a lot out of not that much. I think that's a great point. Um, Goodfeel, the developer of games like Kirby's Epic Yarn, Yoshi's Woolly World, and Yoshi's Crafted World, is working on a new game for Switch that it looks to be an original IP, not like based mm. on um, some another Nintendo property. In an interview with Famitsu, Goodfeel president Utsunobu Ibusu teased the game, showing off some concept art, which has like a cute animated style and has the look of a Japanese like fishing village a little bit. Um, it looks super, it looks really cute. That's all we have to go off right now. But uh, I think earlier this year, or last year, Goodfield created their first self-published game. And so this is, I believe will be their second whenever we learn more about it. So are we to believe that this uh, will not be exclusive to Nintendo platforms? Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess we don't. Uh, based on the little bit that I was reading, they were only talking about it in the context of the Switch, but that's probably because I read it on a Nintendo website. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting. These are, um, they're, the good feel develops these games that are always very like chill platformers, very beautiful, like uh, uh, immersive, interesting style. Um, but uh, not the most challenging uh, sort of games out there. Um, I'm a fan of these games. I really like uh, Epic Yarn and Wooly World and Crafted World, um, but I recognize that they are not uh, necessarily for everyone. Mark, I know you're famously not that excited about uh, games these guys make. Um, is this one uh, maybe different just based on the style? Or Yeah, I would be interested to see what it is. Um, from the concept art, it's hard to tell if it's like a platformer like those games are, or if it's more of like an adventure game or an RPG or like has more exploration elements to it. Um, yeah. so I'm excited to learn more. I find like the concept art that they showed off really appealing and it's not like a company that I dismiss out of hand, just though their take on those like platformers, yeah. just not something I've ever been really excited about. And then finally, the NPD group released their September sales tracking numbers, and Nintendo Switch was once again the best-selling hardware for the month, which means that the Switch set a new record as the best-selling console for 22 months in a row. Uh, wow. So they can probably hang on to that for October, and then like the real contest begins with the release of the new consoles, right? Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think like NPD, they report everything they report now is based on revenue, yeah. so and not units sold. Mm. And they may in like the months ahead make a distinction, um, because you know like the I guess the cheapest 
of the new Xboxes, the Xbox Series S is the same price as a Nintendo Switch, um, $300. But the Series S is $100 more than that? No, I think, it's, right? it's, it's, five, it's 500 as as is the PlayStation 5. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, like, if you're basing it purely on revenue, depending on how many units, you know, like, Microsoft and Sony are able to ship in November, um, that definitely could change. I it was also, surprised that... It, it, oh, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, just to jump in on, on, on that point. Um, it also seems like both Sony and Microsoft um, are putting more of their, um, like, development power behind releasing the more expensive um, uh, consoles at, at this point. I, I The... It was much easier on pre-order days for both systems to get the uh, either the X or the like full PlayStation Five, the the five hundred dollar version of either, than it was to get the three or four hundred dollar versions. Um, so I, I think I think they're leading with those. Um, and while the other ones will be available in much smaller numbers, at least at launch. Oh yeah, that's interesting. I was also surprised that like the PlayStation Two didn't dominate this like they didn't they it didn't have a streak that was longer than 22 oh, months yeah but i guess like both the ds and the game boy advance because the game boy advance sold really well in the united states i think so um i mean it did well everywhere but especially well in the u.s so i wonder if like those interrupted what would have been its streak otherwise i mean the playstation 2 also probably just charted in like second place forever right for like a yeah. decade yeah. straight um, that thing like didn't stop selling. Yeah. Um. All right. Great. Uh. So that's that. I uh, uh, for whatever reason I thought we were like driving towards a, a specific conclusion or that you like you had one more point to read. Uh, but that's it. We've done it. We've done the news. Mark, let's close it out. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it when you do. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying, uh, why don't you draw us a goblin and send it to us, and we'll acknowledge that as canon, that that's the goblin. And, <laughs> and thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung, and we are the host of Crush Fictionally, a podcast all about your favorite fictional characters from movies, TV shows, and more. Each episode, we pick a theme, curate a list of characters that we love, why we love them, and some fun facts about the people who created them. So if you've ever felt a true connection with a fictional character, tune in to Crush Fictionally on Campfire Media or wherever you find your podcast. Campfire.